In 2019, Ian Ward signed up for a medical trial. As part of that trial, an MRI was done on his brain and a small, supposedly harmless tumour was detected. A later scan showed it was growing. So, two weeks after his 31st birthday, he was scheduled for brain surgery, during which he had to remain awake and talking the entire time. A week later, it was confirmed that he had stage three brain cancer, which normally comes with a life expectancy of five years. Because he's younger, that might get longer than that, but this is a might, and either way, he has decided that he's going to spend his last years dedicating himself to achieving something difficult and worthwhile, breaking the world record for most money raised for running a marathon. Since then, he has gone viral with this TikTok video. I may have terminal brain cancer, but you know what I say to my terminal brain cancer? Fuck you! I am going to break the world record for raising the most amount of money ever for running the marathon. Now he's not looking for your money. This is the interesting thing. He's simply looking to grow his social media channels so that when those channels get sponsors, he can donate that money. That approach is working. The evidence is on the channels. Just the other week, he gathered a swarm of runners in London. And for everyone that showed up, Brewdog donated £10 to charity. So follow this channel. You don't have to donate. It is a unique selling point. Sounds like an absolute scam. But it's proven now that it's not a fucking scam. It actually works. Evidence that following a channel is enough to gain money for cancer research because every single human being that is here right now has gotten a 10 pound donation. I had the chance to sit down and talk to the King of Chemo this week. It's the Ian Ward episode of An Irish Man Abroad. That's the small talk. Now let's get down to business. Now, your programme, what's the big idea? Well, they've grown to know the Irish much better. We've now got to know how largely their mind works. I moved over here and immediately I had to up my game. I could not have done the job I, I did for quite a number of years in Ireland. I had to go and earn my living in England. I think a lot of it's in my hair. I think there's a lot of Ireland in here. I had an Irish upbringing. 20 years after an Irishman couldn't get a fucking job, we had the presidency. It was some heightened awareness of how hard my tribe had had it in London. No blacks, no Irish, no dogs. Never has a nation so small inspired so much in another. So you could say there's always been a little green behind the red, white, and blue. Our family is very Irish, you know. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special announcement to make at this stage. Would you welcome, please, the wonderful Charlie Thrigo! Ian Ward, thank you so much for taking the time to do Irish Man Abroad. It's fair to say you're a busy man at the moment, aren't you? I am. I am back home in Ireland, which in its own way kind of is a man abroad. Ian, let me ask you to start with, what's the ultimate goal here for you? Like when you think about what you've committed to doing, what is in your mind's eye or is there a much more diffuse notion as to your own legacy? My goal is basically just um, just to be the best at this, to be the best at raising the most money for uh, any charity. And I obviously chose cancer research because you got to be a selfish bastard in this sort of thing and uh, sort out your own uh, health insurance, basically. 
but uh afterwards i'd i'd change it to anything at all i don't really mind i just love the uh the competition of it as soon as i uh, as i complete the um world record for raising the most money for a marathon i'm just going to move straight on and just uh go to the next one which is a little bit over 10 times the amount where, where it's like most uh technically it's a, a sponsored walk which was done by uh he was a, a captain and i think he was knighted as well um think after the fact but he did a, a sponsored walk where uh, on his 99th um birthday maybe he was 99 anyway and he walked around his um his nursing home in england and it was to raise money for covid and that got like 3.7 billion or sorry million and uh, I, I just like the idea of um doing weird interesting things and it having uh, a deeper purpose than just the enjoyment that you get from uh, the challenge within itself so it's like two great things smudged together and i just want to keep doing them and keep up in the game yeah i know the man you're talking about captain tom moore i mean it was wall tom moore there you yeah, go it's wall-to-wall news here about captain tom moore and what he did and i'm sure his idea of what he was doing started out very small but i don't get that impression from you i feel like when you launched into this you were like well what's the point in going halfway why not just do it bigger than it's ever been done yeah that's it captain moore's uh goal was something as small as like five thousand pounds or something hmm. but you know we need to go back we i'm sure you're tired of being asked these questions but just to frame the context of how we find ourselves here today having this conversation about this huge goal about this thing that you've done um, tell us about who Ian Ward was before your diagnosis. Oh, um, not not much different other than, you know, my brain didn't have a uh, an evil being inside it, just sort of mutating, constantly trying to kill things. By the way, I should have mentioned, um, at time of this recording, this is a two-year anniversary from my um, my actual brain surgery. It only dawned on me to mention that to you now. I, I saw it on TikTok. I was going to bring it up because... I'd imagine that that kind of an anniversary holds different kind of memories for you. Where were where was your head at prior to getting that news? Like I know that you were involved in clinical trials of uh, different drugs, which you know will make people's eyebrows go up. But anytime I hear you talk about it, you're like, yeah, easy money. <laughs> it wasn't. Oh yeah, uh, it wasn't risky. No, 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 uh, not at all. I mean, like, uh, the first one I ever did was uh, for a HIV vaccine, and they were saying, yeah, there's absolutely zero chance that you will get HIV from this. Uh, the concept of a vaccine is we give you uh, um, a weakened form of whatever the dose is, which causes your immune system to then be able to read these bacteria or whatever they are and then strengthen it. It'd be no different than uh, if you can imagine, let's say, like an alien invasion and one of them gets killed. You can still learn things from the dead body. And I am quoting this sort of logic from playing uh, XCon. <laughs> Where we get all our best information from, video games. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, it's the same sort of thing where it's like you, um, your body looks at the bacteria and um, it then says, okay, this is how we can defend against it. I, the, my immune system does something similar to HIV. So uh, when I was in there, I was saying like, okay, so this is, there's no chance that I get HIV or not. And I was like, is there a chance that it would, seeing as how this is a vaccine, that I could potentially uh, 
uh, protect me from HIV? And they were like, uh, yeah, if, if it works, then yes, you will be uh, like very difficult to catch HIV. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> and the money they gave me was, um, oh, it was like terrific. It was a 15 minute walk from my house at the time. Um, oh, it took, uh, oh, sorry, it was a five minute walk from my house. And then it was about 15 minutes from start to from entering the door to exiting. And all they did was take blood and then off I go. And then another time they came in and I think it was like a half hour long and they just gave me injection and took some blood and then off I go. Like, and it was every time I went in, I calculated that it was a hundred quid. So like, that's, you know, a grand an hour for, uh, for time, um, time taken with a 10 minute commute. It's pretty decent. It's, and it sounds. It sounds straightforward, but you know there's still going to be people listening to this going, "I wouldn't do it for all the uh, all the tea in China." This this does reflect uh, the person you were and are, does it not? Like you were involved in the fitness industry, you're coaching people uh, in a gym, but you obviously don't possess an awful lot of fear. Uh, I suppose I don't really for. A lot of things, believe it or not, um, um, maybe not fear, but I suppose it is fear. Stand-up comedy of of like uh, things that you can relate to yourself. Um, I, God, I had the uh, the anxiety and the pressure was uh, was too much for me, and I I've found um, that being creative in a, in front of a camera and hopefully doing a pub quiz, first pub quiz is going to be done in Brewdog on the, uh, the 2nd of August, so very soon now. I feel like that's going to be the right kind of platform for me because I, I'm going to be able to take the piss and make jokes when I want to, but it's not going to be under the same amount of pressure of it's 10 seconds. Mm. Why haven't you made another joke? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I always go back to the Seinfeld quote, which is that standing up in front of people and talking is people's number one fear, which means that at a funeral, people would rather be in the casket than to live in the eulogy. <laughs> <laughs> You've gone right to the one thing that you do fear, which is, you know, standing on your hind legs and being expected to be funny in that moment. But for someone to respond to the diagnosis that you had, the way you have, it does reflect something, right? It does, it tells us because if other people were reacting in the way you did, there'd be more people doing what you're doing. Why do you think you responded the way you did? I think because I saw just, I saw the opportunity more so than I saw the downsides. And in another way, I've always like, uh, I've always wanted to join the army just from watching films. And it's kind of made me realize that, that the reason that I wanted to do that was uh, because I wanted to sort of have my shot at something really and truly difficult. And so I actually considered joining the British Army because it was just sort of like, well, what would I be doing with the Irish Army? And thankfully, I thought myself out of being like, nah, I don't want to go over. So mm. then I considered, okay, well, what if I went over there in a medical sense? And so I, that's why I studied nursing and moved over to the UK. That's part of the reason why I studied paramedic science because I wanted to be a firefighter over here and sort of I wanted to I wanted to like uh, sort of see what what would I have been and, you know I was watching Saber Private Ryan or whatever and I'd be like I wonder what I'd be like in that situation would I be the guy who's you know hiding behind the metal thing with his hands over his ears going ah or would it be like one of your lads who just sort of doesn't um 
doesn't get phased by it. And so it was a, a combination of curiosity and the, the question that everyone's always asking, like, what are my limits? You know, what what mm. am I capable of? And so for for me, when this um, came along, I was like, oh, fucking brilliant. This is my moment. I'm going to grab this by the balls and absolutely show it who's what. It's It sounds bizarre and it is going to sound bizarre to people, but I... I kind of can relate to be 100% honest with you. When my brother came to me and asked me, would I donate a kidney to him? I did clap my hands. (laughs) There was no part of me that went, oh, Jesus, I don't know about this. I fully get what you're saying, Ian, because you feel like here's a calling. Here's a moment to put me to the test, to be like, leave or do something that really matters that nobody can take away from me. No one can call into question uh, how I respond in this moment will be the true essence of my character. Are those the thoughts that are going through your head? Am, am I relating on the same level? Yeah, that's that's the exact thing. Um, I Like, I hated it. Uh, I'll give you an example in another way. Uh, one of my friends got into a scrap where we were... Um, kids and uh, i was in the fight as well but i was just pulling people off and then afterwards he was like why weren't you like hitting anybody i was here and i was getting my head kicked in and i was just like you know i I, like i don't know i didn't want to hit any of them and i was like um i remember it was all this sort of like ah you're a you're a pussy and all this sort of thing and i was hearing my head being like i am absolutely not i just didn't want to like there was a guy who I pulled off you and I remember the pair of us were looking in each other's eyes and we both had our hands cocked and then neither of us did anything. <laughs> and it was like, that wasn't a fear thing. That was just like, I didn't want to punch the guy in the face. And uh, that's, that annoyed me for a while where it was like, why am I being thought of as like um, the guy who doesn't have the balls to get in there? And it was that sort of thing where it's like, almost in a way, um, I almost wanted to have the opportunity to be in a fight i would never provoke one that's not who i am but like Mm. if ever there was like a situation where you could kind of see like okay this could easily get elevated i'd always be there kind of like all right i don't want to provoke this but at the same time i kind of want to make sure that he sees me but doesn't like that i'm not trying to like you know oi you you Mm -hmm. don't do that (laughs) i was kind of like going please 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 please." yeah no i hear you I, i i do hear you because there's a point being proven here on some level with what you're doing that, you know, you're showing the world in some ways what what can be done when a person receives a diagnosis like this. Am I right in thinking that that's part of it too? Um, no, not at all. Uh, not for me. Uh, that is, it's something that... Um, my uh, my manager, uh, Izzy, she's, she really wants me to... Um, uh, to make that a sort of an angle on the 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 channel, which I'm 100% uh, willing to support because just because it's not what I personally feel myself doesn't mean that I can't uh, sort of be the ambassador for, for the idea because if it helps other people who are in the same sort of, there's no reason whatsoever why I shouldn't uh, I shouldn't do that. No, I don't really, I don't really think it myself. I guess because I just sort of, I, I don't feel like I have cancer so it's almost like it's difficult to represent it when you can't when you don't believe that you have it yourself whoa okay well let's dig into that then because you obviously presented 
as you say, you're the luckiest, unluckiest man in the world is the phrase that you use in reference to yourself. Can you yeah, explain yeah, to luckiest, people why you feel world. that way? Oh, well, it's just so, because it's basic stats. So um, the surgeon who uh, was like, okay, yeah, we've had a second look at the, the we've given you a second scan of your uh, your brain and it seems that the tumor is growing and therefore we do actually have to operate on this if you know best practices you go operate on this and uh, chances are it's this 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 and this and then i remember that was like that was quite a shock um and i was like mm. jesus christ what, like what the fuck is this and um then he was saying okay now look this is this is scary but i will uh, mention one thing uh, the the chances of a man your age coming in with um, no symptoms is actually incredibly rare, and uh, you you're very very lucky like that. So, so you're yeah, saying that, that it's so rare for someone with what you have to have showed up without symptoms. Tom Parker, of course, is somebody that comes to mind. The singer in The Wanted who sadly passed away on march 30th 2020 yeah 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 he presented with the symptoms there's the difference and so he he had um it's, it's like the the similarities it like in a way i was very very saddened by his death i didn't know the guy whatsoever um but i was very saddened because uh we've been trying to get in contact with him for one we were like oh we're very similar. We should definitely do some um, uh, media work together or something like that. And then it was both the combination of like, like selfishly, well, that opportunity is no longer um, available. But more importantly, it was like, my God, the reason that I wanted to get in contact with him in the first place was because we had such similar uh, medical situations. So that made it feel very, uh, very human. And you, you know, when you have those feelings of... Um, like when you're at a funeral or something where it's like, I really would like to cry, but it's just not quite coming out. Almost like you can't fall asleep and mm. uh, when you really want to. And it was a kind of feeling like that where it's like this really, this feels eerie. This feels um, like sort of uh, surreal. And I can't, couldn't quite get it where I felt like this could happen to you. This is like what happened to him. You're not like different to him you had the advantage of not having uh symptoms but like this still is like deathly fearful you should be very aware of it and it was almost like i was on the brink of having a moment where it was like fuck and i reflect upon my life but then it just sort of passed and the next day was just a normal day and i didn't feel um uh scared at any point and I was kind of a little bit frustrated with myself. So I was like, come on, you need to be realistic about this in some way and sort of perhaps adapt your your life in some regard. Maybe be more careful with what you're eating. Maybe uh, start looking into some of the sort of um, treatments, the alternative treatments with a bit more um, care and focus. And it just, boop, off it went. But into so, the so much of that must be uh, your brain's self-protection me mechanism kicking in. Oh, surely. Yeah, like, I mean, what would be gained from thinking like that or allowing yourself to go down that rabbit hole? Well, uh, exactly what I just described, where I'd be more, uh, I think it would help, to be honest, because I definitely don't have um, 
a particularly healthy diet. I do really not? do. Mm, I mean, for for who I am, I really you look should great. Be <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but then again, I exercise a lot, so it like uh, they do. There is that phrase where it's like, um, what is it? Uh, abs aren't ma- abs are made in the uh, in the kitchen, not the gym. But yeah. uh, like you know, I exercise a lot, so it would it would take quite a bit of poor diet to yeah, uh, have me look terrible. Mm. But I'd carry a good extra. 10 kilos of timber when you know i really should be marathon runner is felt not a peck of fat on you so well, i definitely am even though it wouldn't seem so i 100 percent am overweight for the type of um athletic endeavor that i am uh, trying to partake in well so, i do um, i will talk about that and i do i do want to get into kind of the training aspect of it later in our conversation because of course we do make the Irishman running abroad podcast with Sonia Sullivan. Yeah, Every yeah, Tuesday yeah. we're on our own half marathon journey at the moment with a squad of about a hundred listeners who are heading up to Larne for the Antrim Coast half marathon. And you know that's aside from all of that, just the, it's fascinating to me and anyone with ears what goes into getting your body to a place to do what you're about to do or what you're in the process of doing. But I, I don't want to walk right past the, the moment you hear this, because on the one hand, you've said you did kind of clap your hands together in a sense and go, right, well, let's get to work. Was there ever a moment after you pressed them and you've said this a bunch of times that it's not like Hollywood. They don't go, sir, you've got five years to live. Like they, they, yeah. that just doesn't happen. And you no. have to actually nearly pick them up by the lapels to get the, get the information, get the actual statistics. Yeah. 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 You do. You have to like really <laughs> badger them into doing it. Right. And why, why are they so reluctant to say that? Do you think? Because it, it's like, um, it's the same thing of when someone talks about the average lifespan back in the Victorian days or whatever, and it's like, you know, oh God, people like uh, it was 60. And it's like, mm, it, it was technically, but that's due to a uh, really high, um, uh, um, what is it? Birth mortality, mortality. rates. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it was like, okay, and once you get past the age of two, okay, now the average age is actually fairly similar to what we have now. And it was the same for people in uh, the caveman years where we all sort of think that we were all dying at 40. and We weren't. We just It was difficult at the start. And so um, when you look at the stats for uh, these sort of cancerous situations, it's much the same. It's like a lot of people die super uh, soon. A lot of people like it takes ages a lot of people um you know some of them are in the middle so it's really no difference to like life in general anyway where the stats for people that get super old change the stats for the people who die very young and it sort of adds to a balance so they really don't want to say you've got one year to live because it's like when it's a when it's a generalized statistic it's very different to be telling it to an individual person. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you say you don't feel like you have cancer. You must have felt like you had cancer when they were operating on your brain. Oh, Christ, yeah. <laughs> I felt very aware <laughs> of it at that point. You're, so talk to us about that. The, the actual surgery that takes place, this might surprise people, takes place 
while your eyes are open. Yeah, yeah. So um, you often see it if you look up brain surgery, where people will be playing like pianos and all sorts of different stuff, playing guitars. And uh, you look at it and think like that's a bit of a gimmick or something. Like it's almost someone's trying to break a world record. Like, oh yeah, here's the Guinness thing. Guinness world record for whatever longest um, acoustic, acoustic guitar playing of Wonderwall. And this man even went through his brain surgery during it. But it's actually because it shows your cognitive abilities. So often if someone is a professional musician, um, they value their ability to maintain playing uh, whatever instrument. And if their part of the brain is going to be operated on, they ask that they maintain um doing whatever because to someone like that any amount of damage to their ability to make to keep playing is not worth the extension of life that it could potentially um uh, give them uh so mine was the left temporal lobe and because i'm right-handed that means that it was speech and if very bad uh sight so i was like okay i'm rather fond of both of those things <laughs> and it's like what the fuck would i do with my life if i didn't have if i wasn't able to articulate my words uh, accurately because like i'm the class clown i'm a funny man so like if i can't do that i don't know what i would like what's the point sports maybe yeah. like i'm not yeah. i like sports but i'm not particularly good at them hmm so what are they doing? Like you're not playing Wonderwall. You, are they like, are they bantering back and forth with you during the surgery to maintain really that part boring, of your brain? Yeah, uh, what they do is a really boring version of Articulate. Have you ever played that game before? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's it's, like, it's word suggestion and improvisation, really. Something like that, but way more more boring. So right. you just have like two two uh, pictures on either side and one's a cat and one is a dog and it's like sort of which one of these goes meow and it's like the one on the right which one like it's just like super boring questions and what they're actually so the way they they do it is they have a uh, a prong or like a probe i think it's called and um so they saw the head open gruesomely and you feel like you're in a uh, while it's not a particular um pain you still feel like you're in that scene in casino where joe pesci has some guy's oh head in a vice God. and he's like yes. i'm gonna pop your head like a grape and uh, <sighs> it feels like that for how like intense uh, the pressure is uh even after oh, we're the, talking a round blade saw is, is like i, I did machine? not look and i did not ask i was just like can you look hear I don't, like yeah 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 you can hear it can't unhear it yeah, oh that's the, yeah, that's oh definitely the worst bit. It's not the particular pain, but it's like the fucking oh my god! Like you know, that thing's on my fucking head, and you're just like oh in your. <laughs> I was I was uh, singing a song to myself during it, just being like um, Rufus Desaul, who are brilliant live. If you if if you like their music, you'll like them better live. Uh, Inner Bloom, and I was just like saying the lyrics in my head over and over to that, just like feels like a mortgage. Oh. like i'm waiting watching you for love so how many hours are you under for the, or over for this <laughs> how many hours uh, are you awake I think it was this? like from start to finish around four hours wow wow yeah i used to think four hours was a long car journey from dublin to ennis when i was a kid there's a bit of perspective yeah 
So the time during this, once this takes place, the the idea is that they can remove what is the truly dangerous part or what what was the aim here of that surgery so the metaphor that i that i use is that your brain is not like the other organs in your body where it's all just one thing so if you were to severely damage one particular area of the brain it might have absolutely no effect whatsoever on another compartment so what they what I think of it as is your brain is a big mansion with lots of rooms. Each room has some furniture in it, and the furniture is used for a practical reason, whatever it may be. Um, so think kitchen, utility room, television room, bedroom, bathroom. And so what, it, what they aim to do is they aim to go in and destroy as much of the empty space as possible because the empty space, you could think of it as a mold Actually, uh, that's the first time I've ever used that. That's actually perfect. So what yeah. they want to do is they want to um, destroy the room so that the mold doesn't spread into uh, other rooms in the house. And um, while they're doing that, they're trying to move the furniture out and uh, what your brain will then do. or sorry, they're just trying to destroy as much as, person, as possible. And what your brain will do is your brain will then see, all right, this room is now small we need to move the furniture into another space. And so it will rewire in, depending on how young you are, the younger you are, it's called the the plasticity of the brain. Uh, The younger you are, the more effective it is. Part of the reason why they said that um, this could take up to a year for you to fully recover, but you will have a chance to fully recover on this part. And it took six days for me. So I was like, wow, that's, that's a good sign for, um, Obviously, they're not related, but if my brain can repair that quickly, that's probably a good sign for uh, its longevity in the fight against cancer. So um, what it does is you're, it's like carp, carp mentalizing. And so they said that uh, however much damage is done during this surgery, if we go in for a second surgery, it might not do any damage towards your ability to speak speak at all because your brain will have moved the furniture into a different compartment of your brain. Gotcha. Which I find fascinating that your brain is able to do that. What can you say about Ian Ward? There's another 30 minutes to this conversation that you can hear over on patreon.com forward slash irishmanabroad. I'd love if you came over and heard the rest of it. We do get into some of the training behind what he's doing. Uh, We talk about some of the trolls that even he comes across online doing this thing. Uh, We get into the difficulties that he's had in terms of TikTok and trying to get the message out there. I hope that you will, at the very least, search him, the King of Chemo. You could find him on all those social media channels, but specifically get onto his YouTube channel. Let's help him grow that. But come over and hear the rest of this conversation on patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad and get access to all of our older episodes as well.